You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, folks, welcome back to uh, the latest Mountain West Fire football podcast, part two of week one, because when you got 11 or so games, Matt, um, we don't want to do them all at once and make it a marathon podcast. We're not the uh, insert guy who does long podcasts we all know and hates, but we're doing our own podcast here, breaking up twice and doing it. <laughs> That's right. We do it our own way, but we keep the people informed. Exactly. Was that vague enough to know who we're talking about? <laughs> uh, I actually don't know who you're talking about, but we'll just we'll, we'll just move forward. Perfect then. Excellent, because we don't need to get into that. All right, so if you missed part one, go back and listen to it where we talked about the Thursday games, which are in progress right now, which, um, yeah, got a couple of games. Fresno San Jose State in progress tonight. We went through the early games on Saturday. So we're starting with, um, if you're keeping track at home, Texas State versus Nevada, 2.30 local time in Reno. And then we're going to wrap up the night, wrap up the rest of those games. So we're starting there. So Texas State is at the play game to Bob. Cats, correct, and conference affiliation. Oh boy, conference USA. Is that right? Sun Belt West Division. I wanted to say Sun Belt, but I don't. I never thought Texas. I guess they're are they a new Sun Belt member of Texas teams? Because because relatively, they they've been around for about a decade. We should I also mention State too. Has. <laughs> we should also mention too that the game is broadcasting locally around Reno on Nevada Sportsnet. Uh, but if you are not in that area, the game should also be available on the Mountain West Network. So um, if nothing else, just, uh, you know, maybe just bookmark that for, for this week and future weeks. The T-H-E-M-W dot com slash watch. Yeah, check it out. There's a handful of games that are going to be broadcast there. So, yes. So this game, Nevada is 1-0. They are one-point underdog at home against the Bobcats, Western Division, Sunbelt, I'm just in the form now. See, that's how good my research is. Now I need to pay attention some more. <laughs> so with Nevada, they, uh, as we discussed in a recap, they didn't really do too many amazing things on offense last week. Toyotala did okay. They had, well, excuse me, let's rephrase that. They're running back with Dante, Dante Lee and Toyotala did fine. But the offense didn't really – they left a little bit to to be desired. 
However, that defense pretty solid, right? Like that they're going to, they're going to cause some havoc under Ken Wilson. That's why I kind of expect them to uh, have a few edges against this Texas state team, which is not expected to be amazing in the Sunbelt division, which Sunbelt's pretty tough, man. It's telling you pay attention to the belt. Yeah. I mean, Texas state is sort of an interesting team where, you know, they're objectively, or, or maybe on paper, if you want to put it that way, they're in a much better position coming into the season than New Mexico state was. And, you know, as you're listening to this, as we're recording this podcast, New Mexico State is currently getting pasted up in Minnesota right now. Um, so, you know, maybe we should have expected in retrospect that they would be more overmatched by the Wolfpack uh, than we thought it might be. You know, I think we, we both expected it would be a closer game, but Nevada, you know, was pretty much in control almost the entire time. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. It does seem like, yeah, but, because it is what, 12 to 2 at halftime, and they never seemed. Now Mexico State never made it threatening, despite it being within two touchdowns. Yeah, the di- and so the difference with the Bobcats is that they bring back a lot more experience, especially on the offensive side of the football. So, you one thing that I know that you mentioned, and I can't remember if you if we spoke about it or if you wrote it in an article, uh, or maybe it was our, our Nevada writer Brandon who mentioned it, that the Wolfpack didn't really generate a lot of pass rush last week. And that's something that may come in more handy this week against the Bobcats, if only because you have to think they're probably going to lean on the pass and I would imagine be more effective at it than they were last year. Um, you know, in terms of like their you know, rush rate over expected, it was right around the national average, but now they have a better quarterback in tow, Blaine Hatcher, who you know started last year at, uh, at uh, Arkansas State you know, previously mm-hmm. split time with the uh, current Utah State quarterback, Logan Bonner, out there in Jonesboro. And when he had the job to himself, he was a little bit up and down last year, but I would say on the whole, you know, completed 59% of his passes, 2,400 yards, 19 touchdowns, probably still better than what Texas State was running out there last year with uh, with Brady McBride and, and Tyler Bitt. So, you know, between him, between the fact that they're bringing back basically every single guy but one who had at least 10 catches last year, you know, cheap among them, uh, you know, Javon Banks, you know, 36 catches last year, over 500 yards, a couple touchdowns, or excuse me, five touchdowns. You know, between, you know, that passing game and the fact that they're also bringing back their top two rushers from last year, you know, Nevada's going to have to be better prepared. And I think they're going to have to be prove that they can be a little more disruptive than they did last week against the Aggies. Yeah. We know the secondary is pretty good. Like that was kind of their thing. We thought because they transferred what two picks last week. Yeah. But yeah. With, with, um, I get it with Texas state starting a newish quarterback. Like you mentioned also, I forgot to mention what one time Alabama walk on, because that has to be mentioned anytime you step foot in uh, that stadium down there in Tuscaloosa has to be mentioned, <laughs> but they, it's funny, I was looking over at Chris Murray's stuff in Nevada Sports Day. He gives Texas State the edge of quarterback despite that because, well, split time, most likely quarterback. But back to the defense, you're right. Defense line, if they can't get to a quarterback for Nevada against the Hatcher, we mentioned, they return running backs for getting, we've been getting through. You mentioned those couple of guys, Hill and Jeter there. But it could be a long day with all, like, all the offense you mentioned that Texas State comes back. So if that if Don Peterson can't get a pass rush, or these other guys, that it could be a long afternoon. Secondary can hold their own, but at some point, okay, you don't get a pass rush. Well, we'll you got to get a little help up front, right? You got to get something. Yeah, you can't have the four or five guys in the back just uh, 
That's all you do. So that's going to be a big concern. Um, let's just take, I guess, the QB where El- Ellingworth, Ellingworth, whatever, Nate Cox, uh, who should, like, Matt, like who should get the start and who should be playing more? Or is this going to be a quasi-Michigan where they each split time and see who does the best? I'll answer your question with a question first and foremost, because did you notice on Nevada's new depth chart that Cox and Ellingworth were flipped? Are they still or though? They're still tied with an or. I did but not it does make me like... wonder. It does make me wonder whether Cox will get first crack at this Bobcats defense. Sneaky, sneaky there, Ken Wilson. Not sneaky enough, though. Apparently, to one. I was going to say. I mean, it's it's public record. I don't know how sneaky exactly it's trying to be. Well, I mean, it's, I, it's it's. Well, I'm just saying. It's kind. Of, it's a it's a, a unique quirk. You've noticed that. I didn't notice. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. so, or that makes sense. So it could mean nothing, or it could mean somebody typed it in. Whatever you know what I mean? Like it. I don't know. I mean, I have to think that we will probably see a lot of both, if only because while you know, the the Bobcats offense has a lot of you know key pieces back that could make it a, a very competitive game, I would say that that is less so on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they're returning, I think, only only two guys last year who had more than five tackles for loss. You know, their their linebacker Isaiah Nixon and their defensive end Jordan Rebels. Other than that. You know, especially in that front seven where, you know, regardless of whoever is under center, you have to think that they're going to probably stick with a fairly similar game plan and be, you know, a, a balanced attack featuring lots of Tawa, lots of uh, Devontae Lee. And if they can't get into the backfield, which, again, they weren't really that great at it last year when they had, you know, more production back. This was a unit last year that was 113th Bobcats were in overall stuff rate only 14%. And it was just as bad at being able to generate pressure on the quarterback. Like their team sack rate was the only 4.3%. The worst. Yeah. The so, so I have to think like, even if the offense could make waves, the defense is maybe a little more likely to give ground than the New Mexico state defense was last week. I think, you know, the Aggies, like, you know, they're getting pasted by the Golden Gophers right now, but I think it's pretty clear that most of their best players are on the defensive side of the ball. And I think the most of those players showed up and played well last week. I think that the, the reverse is likely to be true in this matchup. So, you know, even if neither quarterback lights it up, it could also be that Tawa and Lee are able to be more productive than they were last week. You think that's the case? That could happen? I think it could. I think it should. Yeah, they're not getting. Here's the thing: this not getting sacks. I mean, it could. It could be. They could be relative or not. Like if you're getting a few sacks, that could mean okay, you're not getting the quarterback. It doesn't necessarily mean they can't get to the backfield. But I'd have to think with that combination of what we mentioned, who's returning the back, <coughs> sack rate. That's it is. It is related to some level. It's not hundred percent, but I would think those two guys are they're their two best players in offense. It's not close, and so. So are we going to put a new number? Like, what do they need to get to 200 in this game? Like, what type of rushing yardage do we want to see from the two to make it uh, a potential win for Nevada? I mean, I think, yeah, 200 sounds about reasonable. I think, you know, on a per-play basis, though, I think the more important thing is that they are at least as productive as they were last week. I'm trying to look up right now as we talk what their yards per carry average were. And it wasn't – it was a little bit better than it was last year. You know, Tawa averaged 5.7 yards per carry. 
Devontae Lee averaged 4.7. If they could do that again between the two of them, like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to do the math right now, but I have to imagine that's <laughs> about five yards per carry overall. That's exactly where you want to be between those two. Yeah. So, so if they get that going, that has to help whoever's a quarterback. Yes. And the Bobcat secondary is not good either. They only had three interceptions. They lost Zion Childress who transferred to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to uh, get something done. Like Nevada has the edge, obviously, with Isaiah Sima there. But there, there's there's ample chances for this team. Like if you have a bad pass rush for Texas State, it looks like a secondary that's not very good with losing the talent they had last year. This should be this kind of going through this even more with you more than I did before. The one point line that it was Nevada now it's going to Texas State seems kind of uh, in question, right? I wonder if Vegas is maybe hedging its bets a little bit on the Wolfpack after last week. I think maybe they were expecting, you know, because you know how we talked about before, I, I can't remember if we talked about it during the mega preview or before last week's game, how it seemed like a lot of the projection systems were a little rosier than we might have anticipated about the Wolfpack. Yeah, definitely. Yes, for sure. I have to wonder if maybe the fact that that game was a little bit closer overall last week against Mexico State has maybe colored that perception a little bit, at least for the immediate future. That's about Possibly. the only thing I could think of. But when we look at what Texas State has, they they don't have a good pass rush. They're losing their secondary. Their quarterback plays unknown transfer. Like, what do they do that makes us be even this close? That's kind of, you know what I mean? Like, when we're going through right now, it's like we're talking about, well, they're replacing this, they're replacing this. They didn't do good at this, didn't do good at that. Like, what do they do well? It doesn't seem like it's much. And Texas State being, regardless, basically this game a toss-up, doesn't seem like it should be a toss-up. I get what you're saying. So I'm like, what, I mean, what, do, they do? what do they do good at? I think if you're looking for a discrepancy, you, know, you mentioned the fact that they only had three interceptions, but they, yeah. were, they weren't bad, let's say, about at least getting their hands on passes last year. They were seventh in the Sun Belt with 37 passes broken up. It's not bad. And they do have at least a couple of veteran pieces who were, you know, outside of Zion Childress, were primarily responsible for, for that and who will be you know, playing major roles in this game. So like Cordell Rogers, for instance, you know, longtime veteran, seven pass breakups last year. You know, he's probably the number one guy in that unit. Um, and then, of course, they moved, you know, to Jordan Mask. I believe he was primarily their nickelback last year. He's going to be starting opposite Rogers. And they are getting, um, you know, Jamar Norris back from injury. Yeah, I think he only played in one game last year. Or excuse me, Jaron Morris. You know, he he only played one game last year before he was lost uh, with injury, but he was an all-conference guy two years ago. And so I think it's not to say that they're going to be a pushover. To your point, it's not going to be guaranteed that they're going to be that much better. But I think there will be opportunities for Cox or Illingworth to be able to push the envelope a little bit if they wanted to, test that secondary, see exactly how much better it could be. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I pulled up F, SP Plus just to kind of see the spread on this game to pick them, like the, the Vegas line, essentially. I guess was, mm-hmm. I think I'm ready for projection, predictions now, but SP Plus has 8.1% chance and 68, excuse me, 8.1 point difference in favor of Nevada, 68% yeah. for, favored for them to win. 33-24 rounded score. Yeah, and, uh, and FBI likes the little pack too. 
a little bit more, surprisingly, 15.9. So what you're saying... Then, uh, per- no, go ahead. Go oh, no, go ahead. Parker. No, get, finish Parker. This will probably prove my oh, yeah. point. Uh, so again, if you're not following him on Twitter, at StatsOWar, his advanced stats preview gives Nevada a 67.23% win probability with a projected margin of about seven points, about, uh, I would say, 35 to 28 so my thing I was going to say is that I should text my buddy to put to take Nevada and cover and win, right? <laughs> Essentially, maybe, maybe I did not do that because I was afraid of this game earlier. But now, after I discussed with another person, Nevada is going to win. I'm going to say, uh, what's the over under in this game? Let's see, it is 51. I think it's going to be. Ooh, that's a that's a good that's a good over under. I think it'll be slightly under. I'm going to go 28 20 for Nevada. I'm going to take the over. Oh, okay. I think I think the Wolfpack offense will be a little better this time around. I think they're going to find their footing a little bit. I'll take the Wolfpack, the over, to cover, 31 to 27. Here's my question I want to ask you now. Are they going to find out a quarterback? Are they going to name a starting quarterback before week three? Mm. Excellent question. If, I mean, if, I'm, if you're if gun to my head, yes or no, I'm, I'm going to say no. Because they have Incarnate Word. See, yeah, they get also, Incarnate Word, and then they get Iowa. See, I, I mentioned this in the preseason: rotate quarterbacks, and that's what they're doing. So they're actually following my plan, despite me being a little frustrated with it. I guess. Yeah. All right. Next game. Oh boy, Utah State on the road to uh, Bryant Denny Stadium to take on the number one team in the land, Alabama Crimson, Crimson Tide. Matt, tickets are only eighteen dollars to go to this historic stadium. Well, isn't that because there's like 90,000 seats? They don't need to like, they don't need to like exorbitantly cost tickets, right? I don't know, but they're playing a defending conference champion, something Alabama is not. Or no, wait, <laughs> cry, wait, wait, wait. No, they won. No, 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 they were, no, yeah, they won. because They Georgia were SEC the, champions last year. Crap, was, my thing didn't work. But they're playing a conference champ. This is champ versus champ. Come on. <laughs> what's, the, what's the spread on this game now? I know it was like, what was it, 41 the other day? It's 42. Yikes. There is they're not covering the spread. Over under is only 62. You're telling me Logan Bonner can't and McGriff and Cobbs and Calvin Tyler can't put up 20 points against Alabama. Well <laughs> no, come on. Okay. If they put up 20 points, okay, is okay, that defense okay, getting okay, up okay, 60 when I, points? When I drag out the word well like that, <laughs> yeah, I want to clarify. It's it's less about Utah State. And more about Alabama. Alabama's a scary team. They have Will Anderson still, don't they? Isn't he on this team? They, they do, yeah. And they have Jordan Battle, their star safety. And they have Cooley McKinstry, their sophomore cornerback. And they have Henry Tuo who's also a pretty good linebacker. And they have sophomore edge rusher Dallas Turner. And they have nose guard DJ Dale. Uh, and, I, I mean, I could go on, but I'm not going to belabor that point. They're really good. I get it. <laughs> but, but I think but I think that's a good place to start talking about this game. You know, what the Utah State offense can do or what it needs to do against this Alabama defense. And I think the overarching thing, which is going to be true no matter what we talk about here, they cannot afford any mistakes. So the kind of first quarter that they had last week against UConn, nope. Alabama's going to race out to that same kind of lead. The difference is 
they're not going to let Utah State back into that game if that happens. And so I think the one thing I worry about more than anything in this game is, are they going to be able to keep Logan Bonner on his feet? Which I think last week against UConn, they did a pretty good job of that. But, you know, that's like sliding the difficulty in in NCAA football from like rookie mode or to to insanity or whatever the equivalent of it was, you know, All-American or whatnot. Heisman, Heisman level, I think is the highest one. You know, the, like those those five, those four guys I mentioned, plus Byron Young, you know, all of those guys had at least two sacks last year. You know, this is a defense that's littered with NFL talent, and you know, it's going to be paramount that they keep Bonner on his feet, and and maybe more to the point that they keep him from taking too many hits. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, they have to give him time to throw. They have to give him time to operate. But I also wonder if that's the reason why Calvin Tyler Jr. and Robert Briggs got as many carries as they did last week. I wonder if they're trying to provide a different look to be able to take so much pressure off of Bonner to have to try and do everything, to try to maybe win more on early downs, which is something that they didn't do especially well all the time last year during their championship round. One thing that I think we talked about it during the team preview was how, you know, they were exceptional on third downs while also being not that great all the time on first and second down. And and to that point, you know, I just want to point out, you know, Calvin Taylor Jr. For instance, you know, his yards per carry improved from first to second to third down last year. And the passing offense as a whole, which includes, you know, not only Bonner, but, you know, Cooper Legas in the bowl game, Andrew Peasley, whenever he saw the field. On first downs, they threw the ball 182 times, but they completed under 60% of those throws. He was 58.8%. Although, to their credit, they did also average 8.7 yards per attempt. But I think all of those things have to be firing on all cylinders. So, like, they cannot afford to fall behind schedule because I, this is not a defense that you want to get stuck in third and long against over and over again. I don't think this is the kind of defense you even want to get stuck in third and mid any more than you absolutely have to. So it's going to be really crucial for the offensive line to get the same kind of push that they got last week against UConn. 
easier said than done. But, you know, if Tyler Jr. and Briggs are up to the task, that could be the kind of thing that allows them to hang around a lot longer than anybody in the, you know, in the national media would expect. It's a big ask, but, you know, I would, I would say if there's one path to victory, it's got to be it. They've got to win on those early downs and they've got to protect Bonner. Yeah, obviously. And also, the, I wanted, wanted to, want to know another reason why they probably ran so much last week. What's that? Uh, shorten the clock and have the game be over as soon as possible. So not taking too many hits. True. And it could be also be that they were trying to play things close to the best too. Yeah. It just seemed with Tyler getting 33 carries. That's a lot. You'd think I would spread if, if that's your plan, why not spread it out a little bit more to your two and three guys? We know you're going to win regardless, mm-hmm. but, or it could be, Hey, here's 30 something carries. You're going to go against a team that you may only get 18, but it'll feel like 50 for how many times you're getting exactly. hit and how hard you're getting hit. So we should mention this game's at um, what seven thirty Eastern, four thirty Pacific, SEC Network. But this, like, this is a fun. This I don't say it's a fun game, but we've seen Colorado, Colorado State go out to Tuscaloosa and play reasonably close. We've seen Alabama play teams where they're going to win. We, we're not kidding ourselves; they're going to beat you. They kind of play teams. with their food a little bit sometimes in non-conference play. because so, looking at like. Uh, the last 10 games, like I'm looking over at Pick Center, like ESPN Insider, where they have like against the spread and all that type of stuff. They cover mm-hmm. about, they're, they're not a great team that covers. That's why I'm like, they're going to, they're not going to cover this 42, whatever it is. Because looking at the past year, they not just covering, but like, like New Mexico State, they covered that 50.5 line, winning 59 to three. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. You're telling me 50.5 from last year's Utah State or New Mexico State team to this year's Utah State, it's only a touchdown difference, basically? No, not the case. Mm-hmm. Like, they they beat Tennessee pretty bad. They beat Mississippi State by 40 points. They, they did not put up 60 points all last year. If they're going to cover, I think they're going to need to score 60 points. And I don't think they wanted that because they also have – whatever you're thinking about, they get Texas the week after. So that's a – whatever, it's a Power 5 team in Texas – they might win set eight games this year. I, don't think I was going to say you're, you weren't about to compliment Texas right there, were you? <laughs> I started. Uh, yes and no, not. You were hesitating saying, a little bit. I could tell. Yeah, I'm like, how do I put this delicately? Because I don't think Texas is going to be great. I don't think they're going to be as bad as last year. Because Bijan Bijan Robinson, he's really good at running the football, very good. So, but point being, they may kind of pull back a bit because Texas is like athletic wise, like actual talent out of high school wise it's going to be a that's going to be challenging just the physicality of it more than utah state so they may mm-hmm. pull off early it's like okay we got this game going we're up by i don't want to give a number but not by 40 but just say maybe mid-20s which is realistically they could be up by 24 points they may just kind of cruise to get a a nice victory where they might score 40 points or something but still not cover i can mm-hmm. see it happening but like bryce young like height reigning heisman trophy winner like is um, AJ Vonkachon going to get the Vonkachon get the backfield and sack him? I don't know. Maybe, probably not. Who knows? Maybe once. But this will be a good test for Utah State because think about this: they play this team, they got BYU later on in non-conference play. This will help them in league play down the road. Where hey, who cares? We're playing Boise. Yeah, it's not no, it's no Alabama guys. Come on, what are you guys doing here? You're not not that you're nothing. But we've seen the best of the best, and this will be a good challenge. And I do think, and this will be great. Like if you're an NFL guy, like a fringe NFL guy. And some guy in Utah State has a big game. Like if Calvin Tyler Jr. has 22 carries for 85 yards and a touchdown, that's pretty good. And then McKay almost put up a put up close to 100 yards, or if he cracks a 100-yard mark, 
like, hey, look at look at this. This guy's a player. He put up 100 yards against his defense. I don't I'm going to be do very it, surprised if that happens, though. I'm just saying, like, there's a chance where if you're looking beyond the game, because we know the end result almost assuredly is going to be when FPI gives him a 99.3% chance to win this game for Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> and it's minus 10,000 if you want to bet in the game, too, for money line. <laughs> I mean, you, you mentioned the fact that you know Bryce Young is, is is maybe the best quarterback in the country, at least in the conversation. You know, it would not be surprising if he was able to defend the Heisman. I think if there is one saving grace for the Utah State defense, it's that the Tide are basically breaking in almost an entirely new crew, you know crew of pass catchers. You know, they brought in Tyler Harrell from Louisville, but and and then you know they still have. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, I think Cameron Latu is still there, is he not? I'm not uh, seeing him on the depth chart. I don't know if he's injured or something like that. I forgot to look that up. Not available. But you, you you look at the guys who were in the starting lineup. Treshawn Holden only had 21 catches last year as sort of a part timer. Same thing with uh, you know Jermaine Burton, Kobe Prentice. You know none of those guys were full time starters last year. And so you have to think that there might be a chance that if this secondary can play the game of its life, which again, easier said than done because all these guys are probably like, you know, four-star, five-star caliber athletes, you know, they might have a chance to to frustrate Young a little bit. But the other, I think, more important thing is they've got to find a way to stop Jameer Gibbs, who, if you aren't familiar with him, which, you know, if you didn't watch Georgia Tech football last year, you'd be forgiven for not being familiar with him. He was one of the best all-around running backs in the country last year. Like, I, I didn't realize this until I was doing research over the summer. He Did you realize he was an all-ACC guy in three different positions last year? What, kick return, punt return, receiver? Uh, running back, I believe. Oh, he, sorry. So he's ba- he's oh, basically, sorry, he's sorry, basically like, an, he's like an all-purpose kind of guy. He had over 1,800 all-purpose yards last year. Ninth in the country. Tied for ninth. Seven touchdowns. He, he was a runner, pass catcher. He knows how to you know catch the ball out of backfield, and like you mentioned, he returns kicks. And so I have to think like they're going to break him in early and often and see if Utah State's linebackers can keep up with them. And if they can't, he's exactly the kind of guy who could take a swing pass and take it sixty yards for a touchdown. That's a problem. So basically, the defense has to play the game of its life against an offense that last year on a points per drive basis. They, I, it wouldn't shock you to learn that they were one of the best in the country. They were sixth in terms of offensive what? points per drive. You're telling me what now? <laughs> yeah, by by way of comparison, Utah State last year was 43rd in offensive points per drive. So they were good, but Alabama was elite. And chances are they're going to be elite again, which means that basically everybody on that side of the ball has to play at their – they have to play their absolute best, zero mistakes, like I said at the beginning. So what does um, FPI and everything say about the projections? Okay. Did, did you mention SP Plus yet? No, I did not. That was the last game I got into it. I did not for this one. Oh, right, right, right. So uh, so SP Plus also likes Alabama by quite a bit. 98% one probability, a 36.6-point uh, margin between the two. Uh, that is a little more optimistic than uh, FEI is. Uh, they also favor the Tide by 295 uh, Parker Fleming's advanced stats preview gives the Tide a 99.78% mm. win probability. Jeez. 
a projected margin of roughly 43 to 3. I will say this, though. I think Utah State is going to score more than three points. I bet they can get to – is it bold to say they'll get three touchdowns in this game? Yeah. Okay. I think what's so. More like, what's more likely, three touchdowns or 20 points? Or 20 – I'll go – sorry, 20 There's yeah, 20 basically points. no difference between the two. Field <laughs> although, goals. I, although I will say – Field goals. Okay, because you're, you're talking about try, you're talking about scoring at least on four different drives versus playing in the end zone three times. That's actually a really good question of it. I think about it. <laughs> Thank you. I sometimes have those. <laughs> I mean, uh, for for my part, I don't think either is going to happen. I've got the tide rolling forty eight to fourteen, but the cover. See, that's the important part because I have cold hard cash on them covering this game. Utah well, you State know what they say: great teams cover. And Utah State's a great team, right? Exactly. I'm going to say because I, I don't. I honestly think Utah State's offense will break through a little bit. Like breakthrough could be honestly. 17 points a couple because here's the thing if they're if it's a 42 point line if utah state scores two touchdowns it's almost literally almost impossible that alabama will cover it's just they're not going to score 58 points 56 points so i'm going to go i'll go bold i'll go 41 21 i'll do it is that bold (laughs) that is bold in my opinion at least okay next game main and black bears i'll get it right this time Versus New Mexico Lobos in Albuquerque, 6 p.m. local time, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, go to again, themw.com backslash watch. This is a game where Lobos, oh boy, they got to come out with a victory swing in here, man. They, Danny Gonzalez in his third year, Rocky Long, obviously, defensive coordinator. This is a game, 14 bucks to get him out of, in case you're wondering, so not too expensive. So pack the stadium. That's like, that's like going to see a, that's like, like going to see a movie. It's not bad. Not a, not a, what's, the, what's this week National Cinema Day or something? Where $3 tickets or something the past couple days? That's uh, right. It's on, that's actually on Saturday. I, well, go see a movie before the game, right? I don't know. There you go. <laughs> no, that's wa- the plan. No, actually, no. Watch college football and maybe see uh, – no, just watch college football and who cares? That's a better plan. <laughs> the best. Or watch college football on the movie screen if you can hook that up somewhere at your local uh, AMC or Regal or whatever you have in your area. But as for the game – um, what do we want to see from New Mexico? Because I, for me, for what they typically do or don't do, honestly, they we want to see stability of the quarterback situation because they have their starter in place. But the past couple of years, like we'd have to go back years and years, Matt, where they had one quarterback and stuck with that guy, whether it be injuries or just lackluster play or mm-hmm. whatnot. They need to have literally one guy be the guy and. Fingers crossed he doesn't get hurt. If that's the case, they're gonna I think they have a good chance to win, but I'm looking more beyond just this one game. So but um we do have to know. Oh shoot, I did not miss this note. I missed the note here. Did you see what players not playing for New Mexico? Nathaniel Jones. I just realized that now I'm like, I must have missed that. I'm like, oh so let's start there. Did, you see, my did you see the quote that that uh Dan, that uh, Danny Gonzalez had about Nathaniel Jones? Nate Jones still owns me, owes me, sorry, not that's owes right. Me. What is he? That's old? an interesting quote. Up down. Well, I mean, I know that I money? he was like he was academically <laughs> ineligible last year, right? I think they were counting on him to contribute last year. Oh, and he yes, didn't play that's the entire right. season. I remember he was ineligible. That remind, yeah, yeah. So let's start there because my quarterback meandering was a good conversation, but dude, he owes me, so he won't play against. Uh... Oh, so Nate Jones will play against Boise. I'm guessing he's. It's not an academics because 
he would be out officially. Maybe mm-hmm. there is a particular um, grade level. I'm just guessing here that he wanted to be higher, but grades haven't really started it either. So I I don't know, man. It's a, it's a very interesting quote, quote to come from a head coach. So do they need him versus Maine? Probably not, but they sure love him because when they play Boise on, what is it, Friday night, week two, conference play gets going. Whew. I mean, also I don't mentioned... know if they're going to miss him that much because they've got some other guys who you know, we may be less familiar with them overall, but it seems like they've gotten a lot of uh, a, a lot of promising returns at least in fall camp. So I you know I look at the two names that are at the top of the depth chart, Sherrod White and Christian Washington. And you know Sherrod White was a guy I think I believe we talked about him very briefly during the team preview because you know the Lobos were the last one that we did over the offseason. And but I think it's worth mentioning again that when he was at you know in the JUCO ranks out here in California, Mount Jacinto, Mount San Jacinto College, uh, had a thousand yards in his uh, year with the with that college, but he averaged over seven yards a carry. Oh boy! And he also caught thirty seven catches for four hundred eighty three yards, and you know scored twenty touchdowns. So I'm very interested to see how much they try to work that into the game plan, because at least in the first couple of years of, of Derek Burham's offense, they haven't really had that luxury. They haven't really had the elements of the game where they've had a reliable pass catching running back out of the backfield. And I have to think that Christian Washington, after, after playing pretty well throughout camp that, you know, they feel confident that even when Jones comes back, that he'll be part of that running back rotation, that he'll be the kind of guy to get like a handful of carries per game. So if either of those guys can, you know, flash any kind of explosiveness, I think that that'll bode well against a, a Black Bears defense that was, you know, it, it's, it's famed for being known as the Black Hole, but it was only okay last year. You know, they allowed 27 points a game. They gave up roughly six yards per play. Um, both of which were well below average in the in the CAA where they play 10th and 11th respectively, and they're having to replace you know some of their best players. You know Ray Miller is gone, which is not to say that they don't have guys who couldn't cause headaches for them. Like the you know, the Bugs Brown, who was a, a, a true freshman last year, had three interceptions. You know Xavier Nurse and Adrian Otero, their linebackers, had uh, you know, over 120 combined tackles six and a half combined TFLs. So, I mean, they've got some nice pieces, but this is the kind of game that I think if New Mexico is going to assert itself as far as taking a step forward, I think it's going to start with, you know, stability at quarterback, like you mentioned. But I think it's also going to start first and foremost by establishing that ground game because that's really what the offense has been built all around over the last couple of years. And so I think, you know, just taking another step forward in that direction is going to go a long way against this kind of defense. Yeah, and I think they'll be – they should take care of this game, but it'll be a good one to see what they can get, especially if they're going through depth, the running back situation. Like, excuse me, so the thought to sneeze there. But this will be a good confidence booster, clearly. I think they're going to win. There's not going to be an issue with it, but run the ball well, get those guys going. If they're explosive on the ground game, that'll just be great for the new quarterback. And then that'll make it a bit trickier down the road for the team. Like, hey, they can move the ball on the ground. And I do want to see them pass and do well. But I did agree the two guys. And if suspended Jones can come back and can play, it's like, well, it's even better. You have three backs that are 
seem to be, I know it's preseason, it's hard to tell. They had good careers elsewhere. If you're a freshman or JUCO guy, well, your expectation level coming in is not typically not extreme, extremely high, but getting that experience, even against Maine, will go a long way for next week for Boise, assuming the jump chart goes back to Nathaniel Jones at the top, everybody else behind him. But the two or three guys have a actual experience on the field. But yeah, and I think you know the the other thing to keep in mind too, you know, in thinking about the New Mexico defense, which I think we're all, we're both in agreement that the defense, at least so far in Gonzalez's tenure, has been ahead of the offense. Clearly, yes. It it's not going to be a walk in the park against this main offense because you know most of the numbers that they put up last year, which you know relative to to the FCS at large was not terribly impressive, but that's because they played most of the year without their starting quarterback, Joe Fagnano, who, you know, he's back this year. He was very productive the year before, uh, or rather in the spring season. So, you know, they have him back. They have their leading rusher from last year, Freddie Brock back as well. I think the key in this game is, you know, we know the secondary has, you know, a lot of talent back there, you know, Tavian Combs, Jarek Reed, Dante Martin. I don't think we need to, to rehash all of that. I think it's going to be an interesting test against a sort of a rebuilt pass catching unit that the Black Bears are going to be throwing out there because they're replacing their top two pass catchers. And, you know, two of the guys that they are, you know, slotted into the projected starting lineup, Xavier Scott, Montego Moss, were, were mostly part time guys uh, a year ago. And the third guy is sort of the wild card, Kobe White, who was a, a leading receiver for a couple of different years at Boston College. You know, not last year. I think it was the year before. Uh, I, I believe last year he was mostly derailed by injuries, but in two straight years, I think it was 2018 and 2019, mm-hmm. led the Eagles in receptions both of those years. So he's got a little bit of playmaking ability. And if he and Fagnano can get in a rhythm, you know, that could be the kind of thing that poses trouble, especially if the Lobos offense, you know, struggles to get any traction. I, I don't think that that's the most likely scenario, but it is within the realm of possibility. Yeah. So what's your, what's the FPI and the, their projections for all these guys out there? So interestingly, game? okay, so SP Plus does like New Mexico, but only with a 58% win probability. A projected margin of three point three points. Uh-oh. Uh oh. For my part, I mean, I think New Mexico should be able to take care of business in this game. It may not be like the prettiest game of the weekend, but I do think the Lobo strength on defense should be able to come out on top. You know, it, it seems like the kind of game where they can force Maine into one or two mistakes. You know, maybe a pick six or a fumble recovery that sets up a short touchdown or something like that. I like the Lobos to win 27 to 17. I'm going to go 24 10 Lobos. All right, then. All right. Now we move on to two more games. Boise State versus Oregon State, 830 Mountain Time, 730 Pacific, ESPN. And it's in a air quote sellout game at Reeser Stadium where it's like still under construction. So it's kind of a weird uh, still, thing still to counts. <laughs> Sure. I guess if all the seats that are available sit in or filled or sold, sure. Uh, this is an interesting game because Oregon State's a two-and-a-half point favorite. Jonathan Smith is a really good coach. He's bringing them up to uh past couple of years. To, again, in the offseason, they beat Utah, who went on the Rose Bowl, went to Pac-12. They were undefeated mm-hmm. at home. 
But the it's Boise team, like we've been hearing all this stuff about defense, defense, like JL Skinner and other guys are of all these draft picks. George Sonny's rattling off huge runs during practice. Um, Hank Bachmeyer is doing what he's doing. I have uh, Stephen Cobbs will definitely walk in and replace Kula Shakir. I'm sort of buying it, but again, I, I've been fooled last year. And I said it multiple times, like, I'm not believing George Shawnee and all that stuff until I actually see it, and they perform well. And so I'm still hesitant in certain areas of the Boise, Boise State team because they've – last year they kind of let me down. I'm like, oh, George Shawnee is going to play. And then he falls flat because the offensive line has its 12,000th iteration of uh, five guys up front. I'm not saying it can't okay, happen. So- They'll be great. But I'm, cons- I'm just cautious. – I'm being cautious in my Boise State picking as of right now until I can see it on the field. Okay, well, that's what makes this this matchup so fascinating to me because mm-hmm. you know, we know all about the Boise State defense in particular. Yeah, you know, Scott Matlock, GL Skinner, you know, whomever else you want to throw out there. But the, but the thing about Oregon State is, you know, you know, obviously the last time we saw them in the in the LA Bowl, it would they ended on a sour note. You know, Utah State was able to force them into a number of mistakes. But again, this was a team that was undefeated at home. And it wasn't luck either. They were just better at Racer Stadium than they were on the road last year. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we know about this Boise State defense, but it is also true that the Beavers bring back a lot of what made them special on offense last year. You know, we knew going into fall camp that they were opening up the quarterback competition between Chance Nolan, you know, Tristan Gebbia, who was the starter before him, Richard freshman Ben Goldbrinson. Nolan won that job. It's his. And he was very effective at home throughout last year. And, you know, I'm trying to look up the numbers. I don't have the splits in front of me. I apologize for that. But, you know, between him and, you know, their their running back duo of, you know, Deshaun Fenwick and Trey Lowe, who, by the way, both of those guys averaged at least 5.7 yards per carry last year and combined for almost 800 yards. You know, that kind of production makes me think that they probably aren't going to miss B.J. Baylor that much, especially since this is also an offensive line that is returning at least three starters. And even the two guys that are stepping into the starting lineup, Marco Brewer and Talise Pusaga, both of those guys, or excuse me, Buaga, both of those guys saw a fair amount of playing time last year. This was a unit that was a finalist for that Joe Moore Award. Same as we talked about with Michigan last week, who won the award. Same as we talked about in the offseason with the Air Force, who was also a finalist. So even though you know, it remains to be seen exactly how explosive they're going to be, I think they're going to be very comfortable coming out with the exact same kind of game plan that they had last year and seeing whether Boise can stop it or not. Because I think that's maybe, maybe easier said than done. You know, this is the same team after all that, you know, they got Utah at home and ran them over last year. Yeah. You know, ran over USC, ran over Washington, ran over a handful of pretty good defenses last year. Yeah, they they did because when, I remember watching when they played the against Utah. It's like they ran and ran, and Utah's defense is good except in that game. So I don't know if it's it's weird because the splits are so off the charts when they're home or home or away, and then going through a quarterback battle like we mentioned with Chance Nolan and, and other. I just it, they were only finished seven and a five because they were again. Remember they lost Utah State in the bowl game, so every game away mm-hmm. from home they lost. They probably should be better, but I don't know how much better they'll be. 
because it's just a weird game because I again I'm hesitant for Boise State. So like, what am I going to say? I'm like, oh yeah, George Fonda will go for 140 yards. Tink Bachmeyer will be fine. But on the Boise side, like I want to see again, kind of repetitive, but I want the offensive line to be healthy and see what they can do on those running on the running game. Yeah, and to that and, point, I think it's I think it's fair to point out that you know if Oregon State's going to be beat, it's because the offense takes that step forward that'll that every Broncos fan thinks that it will, because it was not great in a lot of respects last year. You know, in terms of like you know the team sack rate, for instance, it was only four percent, which was 120th nationally. And so I have to think that like if Boise State you know is able to stay healthy, you know, they've got the starting five that they want. In you know coming into the game, Ojuku, Garrett Coran, Kakayo Kovalomalia, Gonzalez, Ben Dooley, Kate Beresford. If that unit can stay together, maybe it could be pretty productive. Maybe it could open running lanes for George Halani because you know they just weren't that great at stopping the run all the time. You know, power success rates or those short guarded situations. They they allowed you know, opponents to move the chains 85% of the time last year. That was 124th in the country. And so I think if, if Boise State can get back to basics and just lean, and not only on Halani, but you know, we talked about Ashton Ginti in the team preview, and he's looked good in ball camp too. I have to think that he's probably going to factor into the game plan at some point as well. Maybe he's that Robert Briggs type that we saw uh, for the Broncos. I think there is an opportunity for the for the offense, for the Broncos offense to be able to come out and be as envisioned. Because Oregon State is also losing one of its biggest playmakers from last year, you know, uh, Andre Roberts in the NFL now, which is not to say that they don't have guys in that front seven who can't be very good. Isaac Hodgins is back from injury. Omar Spates was an all-conference guy last year. But they're but they're bringing in just enough new pieces, you know, like Kyrie Fisher Morris, John McCartan, where especially in the linebacking crew, that was where they got most of their disruption last year. That was who generated most of their havoc. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on that unit in particular to to run it back and try and do the same kind of thing. And if they can't, then this could be the kind of situation where Boise State, you know, has its own way, is able to assert itself, and. You know, if they can give Bachmeyer time to throw, you know, it, it's not going to be the easiest assignment throwing against a very veteran secondary that's bringing back every single player, every single starter from last year's unit. But it, it's the kind of thing where it strikes me as a lot of potential for strength on strength on both sides of the ball. So who has the edge here? Like, because you mentioned guys who are gone, like the out there in a linebacker there because I'll save Roberts. Omar Speech will take over, but I Tink honestly Bachmeyer... think that both I honestly think both offenses probably have the slight edge. Yeah. Even though but I've heard but man, I've heard Boise has all these NFL guys in defense. Is that true or what's you're, going on? Or... Yeah, yeah, I don't think they're wrong, but I think they're underselling how good Oregon State's offense was last year. You know, same as we talked about a minute ago with Alabama, as far as being like a top 10 team, top five team in points per drive. Oregon State was top 25, which is very have, easy to overlook. They have a giant of a tight end in Luke Musgrave. See, see his that too. They, they always seem to have like one really good tight end who 
doesn't necessarily light up the stat sheet, but is nonetheless very good. Like a you know, last year it was Tegan Quarantano. This year it's Musgrave. And, you know, it would not surprise me if like, you know, the other guy on the depth chart, I believe is Jake Overman. If, or, or maybe it's not Jake Overman, Gabe Milborn. They just, they have guys who step up and contribute. Like they make plays. And even though they aren't explosive, like they've still got two guys, Musgrave and Treshawn Harrison, who averaged 13 yards a catch last year. So they know how to make plays in the passing game when they, when they need to, even if it ne- isn't necessarily the tool that they turn to first and foremost every single time out. All right. So what do the advanced stats say in this game? All right. So SP Plus does like Boise State in this one, although it's a pretty slim margin. Uh, 58% win probability, 3.6 point margin. Uh, FEI also likes Boise State by a little bit more, uh, 11 points altogether. And uh, Parker Fleming at Stats of War, his pre-advanced stats preview gives the Broncos a 58.97% win probability, a projected margin of about three points, 35.68 to 32.53. So what's your score projection then? I think Boise State's going to have to work for it. But I do think they'll be able to go in there and get the win. I have them going away with it, uh, 31 to 23. Hmm. The over, what's the over-under in this game? Let me pull that back up here at 56. I think it'll be – I'll go Boise State 30 to 25, a weird score. Right I just – I think with the – if they if they play to what we think they can play, they should win. I think it'll be pretty close because I don't want to undersell Oregon State. So, final game of the weekend: Western Kentucky at Hawaii. The good old nine p.m. Pacific time, midnight Eastern kickoff. And to watch this game, just so you guys know, Spectrum Sports pay per view. If you're in Hawaii, if you're not, download the Team One Sports app. However, it cannot be. On like if you have it on TV, like a Roku or a, a Fire Stick, whatever, it cannot be cast to your screen because they kind of block that feature. So, I think the biggest screen is like the iPad Pro. You could put it on, possibly Matt. I don't know. Just <laughs> watch, watch it on your phone. You'll be fine. Really fine. Just yeah, just watch it there. Just so that's how you watch watch this game. So, you know, it's funny. Uh, West Kentucky, we know they like to sling the ball around. Their quarterback does not have a picture at ESPN.com. Austin Reed. It's just a a logo. That's it. Disrespect, disrespect, come on. Four touchdowns versus Austin P. Um, but so they've they got to rectify that pretty soon, right? It should have already been done for what Bailey Zappi did last year. They should freaking, yes, he should have one. So <laughs> this matchup will be unique because Western Kentucky's a giant 16-point favorite. And we all saw what happened last week, assuming you watched the whole game. Like most people like me may have given up when it was a big blowout in the third quarter. When they give up 60-plus points to Vandy, speaking of Hawaii, they have a lot to work on. And Western Kentucky's offense is really good. And, man, Hawaii – the only thing that Hawaii really did well is with Dedrick Parson, Dedrick Parson running the ball. That's about all they did well. They're going to need to figure out how to throw the ball a bit more. They're going to get plenty of chances. The secondary is going to have a million chances as well to try to stop or slow down or – as many passes are being thrown their way, they should they need to get a hand on a couple to make some plays to keep it in the ballpark of close. They need a pass rush. Yeah, go you definitely. If they're gonna throw that much, you gotta give it to the quarterback. 
Because, you know, because Reed is not going to burn them in the same way that Mike Wright did last week against Vanderbilt. You know, he's not a runner in the same way, but he has the arm to make all the throws. And if you don't believe me, you can go find the highlights from last week's game against Austin P. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, honestly, it's really going to start up front because Western Kentucky is the kind of offense that, you know, it's a timing-based offense. They know how to get the ball out quickly. So, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the defensive ends in particular. You know, John Tui, uh, Tui Tuopu, uh, Matayo Soli, both of those guys just, they have to have better performances than they did last week. Well, they I mean, honestly, yeah. you could say, you could say that about the entire defense, if I'm being totally honest. You think so? I mean, I, I honestly don't know what else there is to say. You know, if Hawaii, if Hawaii cannot make any improvements at all on defense, then it's not going to matter because Western Kentucky is going to be able to score at will against them. And even if they, even if they're able to, you know, find a little more traction against what is probably a suspect hilltopper defense, it's not going to matter. They're not going to win the shootout if they can't make stops. Exactly. Because, yeah, because we know Kentucky, here's the thing, Kentucky's going to get points. That's why it's kind of half kidding. Well, they have all the chances, chances to get their hand on the ball. They will. They need a pass rush. They need to get their hands up and knock the ball down. The secondary, if these guys want playing time and want to make be hero, make a play, they'll have a million chances to get the ball and do something or the ball thrown their way. One thing that's interesting to note, Austin P's not an amazing over-the-top FCS team. And they, right. still put up on, they still put up 27 points in that game. And so that leads me to believe that Hawaii should be able to put up some points. Not to say they'll put up more, but they they only beat them by 11 points. And so there's a chance that Hawaii, based on like scoreboard watching and kind of what they did for the Austin P. Western Kentucky Hilltoppers game, that there's a chance that maybe they can keep it close. But when you look at Western Kentucky, all they do is throw the ball, which is all they need to do. They didn't run the ball very well. So there's a possible, but then again, it may not matter if they do what they did last week and throw for almost 300 yards. It doesn't matter, but that could be an area where if the running it make a more one dimensional and that's where you mentioned the pass rush comes yeah, to play. They, they, hit a they have lot, to do that. They hit a lot of big passing plays last week against, against Austin P they had nine plays, you know, that, that are considered big plays. So essentially that went right? for 15 or more yards those nine plays went for 218 total yards through the air. Yeah, that's, they're going to, they can't have, I mean, to, to me, that spells trouble. <laughs> oh, you think? <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. Spells trouble. I mean, I think, I think the saving grace for Hawaii is that, you know, the, the Hilltoppers last week were not terribly proficient at like third downs. For instance, they were only five of 14. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, you know, outgained on the ground. You know, Austin P was able to, uh, you know, get at least a little something going on the ground. Um, you know, they, they, you know, both teams had eight penalties in that game last week, so it wasn't like they were, you know, fundamentally sound for an entire sixty minutes or anything like that. So, I mean, there is some wiggle room for the Warriors to hang around in this game. But like I said, I think it just comes down to the defense having to play a better game all the way around. Are they going to have, same with Nevada, same question for you. Are they going to stick to one quarterback after this Well, game? if you, if you believe Timmy Chang, it's still a, it's a, it's a three man race once again. Oh, come on. Coach, rookie mistake. Get a pick. Cause, uh, you know, Braden Shager, of course, started last week. Joey Yelling came in in relief. 
now apparently Cameron Cooper's back in the mix. Oh boy. This is not bode well for them. Right? Yeah. I, just, I mean, maybe. If they're going to win, they need to have a running game, get a pass rush, and stick with a hot hand at quarterback. I don't think they can do all three. So do you, Even, think, do you think they're going to feed? Do you think they're going to feed Dedrick Parson a little more than they did last week? They should. He's their best player in offense. Why wouldn't you? That's a good point. Like, he's your guy. So what do the advanced numbers say in this one? All right. So SP plus likes Western Kentucky, eighty-six percent win probability, uh, projected margin of eighteen point nine points. Uh, FEI also likes the Hilltoppers by 18 and uh, Parker Fleming. Uh, I probably should have had this up a minute ago. Do you want to vamp for me for just a second while I look that up? Uh, should I just give you my score pro- no, <laughs> projection now? You'll have okay, I, I found it. So it didn't yeah. take you that long, thankfully. Uh, at Sets Award gives uh, WKU a 94.84 win probability, projected margin of about yikes, 51 to 28. What? So what we're saying here, people expect a blowout. I mean, that's what the that's what Vegas suggests. That's what the projections suggest, and honestly, that's what I would suggest too. What's your score projection then? Uh, I've got Western Kentucky forty-two, Hawaii twenty-seven. So they're not going to cover, or they are covering actually by a point. I guess I would. Uh, I'm going to go forty to twenty-one. Hawaii will hang around just enough, but Western Kentucky, obviously, Hilltoppers have too much. So that's my projection for the week. And that wraps up our part two of the preview of our Mountain West uh, week one. So congrats if your team has already won on Thursday night yet. Uh, Matt, is your team doing well? Yep, they're doing well at the moment, third quarter. Good job for your Bulldogs. But uh, we'll be back uh, to recap the games. And, yeah, we'll see you next time. And, again, games start 10 a.m. Mountain Time. All the way till 10 p.m. Mountain Time for kickoff for that Western Kentucky wide. So you got 14 hours of football to watch, 15 hours essentially if you're able to do it. If not, oh Matt, we should just do this really quick. Who's our like? I know two games have already started, but who would like you'd pick as maybe potential player of the week? On all, on, like, Ooh, you know, we forgot week. about that. Yeah. Um, well, no cheating. Give me yours first. Well, no cheating because Jake Hayner already has 300 yards and still barely just past halftime, so we can't pick him. Sorry. Okay. Um, that's that's fair. Yeah. Who knows how much more, more he'll play? Um, I would say can I say pander to Aztec fans? <laughs> Since they sure. love me so much. Um but seriously, looking at the game, I don't want to pick a versus FCS FCS team, no. Call Colorado State, Michigan. I don't think there'll be enough offense. I honestly think um it's either gonna be somebody from Boise State or San Diego State, just because of who they're playing. Because we don't trust a Wyoming offense. Uh, maybe Toa Tala from Nevada. But I no, I'm going to go to San Diego State. I'm not going to say Braxton Burmeister because I'm not a believer yet. Because, you know, Matt, I'd like to see him play at least one game. Mm-hmm. Because that is, I think that's that's reasonable. Um, can I go Chance Bell? Sure. I'll say, uh, let's say uh, 122 yards and a touchdown. Somewhere in that range. Is that enough for player okay. of the week? Or I'll go two touchdowns to make it more like a dominant performance. I'm going to take DeAndre yep. Hughes on offense. Okay. Air Force running back. 
Oh, but they're playing. And okay, fine. You can take an FCS opponent. That's fine. You, you know, you made that rule for yourself. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Good, fair point. Yes. Uh, defense. I will take. You know, I'm going to go with Don Peterson. I think he's going to have a big game against Texas State. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go defense. If I pick a guy, I'll go JL Skinner. Why not? He's a big name out there, and he's playing a good opponent, so. I think he can maybe pick off Shane Stolen once or twice. There you go. All right, so that's it. MWR.com. Um, check us on Twitter, MWC Wire, for all weekend of fun tweets going out there and recaps and postings and everything you want to know about the league. And, yeah, subscribe to our show if you haven't already. If you made it this far and you haven't, please do so. And we'll see you sometime Sunday to recap all 11 games of week one.